Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, once again, back in the safe house, on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's happening with you? Oh, not too much. Uh, uh, it's it's a shame. You know, we have the first pretty day of the of the season, the first cool day, uh, and but we're back in the safe house. So, uh, but not not for any good, uh, not for any any bad reason. We have a, a guest who's uh, out of town, so uh, we uh, made it easy on ourselves here. All right. <laughs> okay. anyway, uh, anyway did you, yeah did you enjoy the uh the the cooler weather today uh well i was inside most of the day today so I, yeah i did when i walked from my office to my car it was very nice yes put a spring in your step uh well yeah i guess I, you, know, a little, <laughs> you know i guess uh but um yeah well it's a welcome it's a welcome change from all the fucking heat right humidity and the heat and the murder that goes along with the heat. Sure. Now I wonder if the murder rate's going to come down with the with the uh, the thermostat. Uh, well, that we don't know because you know people might get relaxed and won't keep their uh, 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 arms up. You know, their their uh, eyes are, up. Yeah, their guard uh, up. Yeah, they might relax because the weather's so comfortable, and that's when they'll get murdered. Right. Know? Right. Right. Well, it seems to happen uh, no matter what the temperature is around here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, at it, least it, you won't break a sweat running. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you well, have to, yeah, you have to flee to someone, run? nobody wants to run. No, uh, no. Well, that's the only time I'm going to run is if someone's chasing me. Yeah, well, yeah. Are you? Well, will you run after somebody? Probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I mean, the way I feel too. How bad could I need to get to them? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't do that either. But uh, anyway, yeah. It's been a a a. a a pretty uh, crazy week. In hmm. fact, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the lawless town that we live in, I've been seeing lots of accidents lately. You know, people making illegal left turns or running red lights. You know, they don't care. You know? Sure. And it's, you know, the funny thing is most of the, most of the people who are doing illegal uh, traffic violations are either either have Florida or Texas license plates, so um, that's kind of strange. I think I guess they don't give a fuck. You know, they're they're not from here. They don't respect us or anything like that. But you know, there's been a lot of highway crashes going on. Did you hear that? Uh, I think it was a week or so ago. Uh, a truck uh, was full of beer, all sorts of beer, uh, was in Florida and it crashed. And all this beer went everywhere on the highway. And Hmm. some of it, you know, was destroyed, but some of it didn't get destroyed. And people were pulling over to grab free beer. You know, they were just grabbing uh, cans that didn't, you know, didn't just get destroyed. That was kind of weird. And at the the same day, though, I thought this was kind of weird. There was a truck in the state of Missouri that was, uh, that turned over. It lost control and turned over. But this truck was not filled with beer or furniture or food, you know, or, or fish. This truck was filled with sex toys. Oh, I did hear about did that one. Did you hear one? about yeah. that one? So I did. I they did. had like, you know, one of these news channels that has a helicopter, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> was right. flying over the, the, the accident. 
And the the reporter was like going, well, it looks like we have a crash and stuff, and we will see. And he goes, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, those are those are sex toys. And it's like you know, like all these dildos fell out right. of the truck. And, sure, you know. You know, pretty much every sex toy is something that you can put up your ass, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, you know, if that that's it's not just sex toys. I mean, really, if you look around the room, I mean, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things. You know. <laughs> a lot of things. I'm, really... I'm staring at my light bulb right now. Well, there you go, man. You don't don't get uh, don't get too carried away there. So, so yeah, that was kind of weird. You know, I did know this guy who uh, who was friends with an x-ray tech at charity he was a trumpet player and uh and he said one time this this person would sometimes bring him uh crazy uh uh x-rays and one time he this guy brought an x-ray and you know how Michelob had that very distinctive shaped bottle yes, you know yes so, so it was an x-ray of a full Michelob bottle uh inside someone's uh, pelvic region you know the guy had and he said, yeah, I want to make this into a T-shirt that says, Weekends Were Made for Michelob. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. W-E-A-K. Yeah, and, and apparently a lot of uh, blow-up dolls were on the highway, too. Hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, those truckers, man, I, you know, I feel for them. You know, they got a tough job, but they, they got to be careful out there. You never know what you're going to expose people to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's that's not going to help with all these supply chain issues we have. Well, yeah, could, I mean, could be a tough day down at uh, airline adult books. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, there's uh, there's some stores in in Missouri that are, are like going fuck, we're fucked, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had tons of orders, you know, that they had to fill. You know, right. and, they got nothing to show. You know, it's a show yeah, me state, but yeah, they got they got, uh, nothing, got nothing to show, to show anybody. Yeah. Show me state, but yeah, that's something crazy that happened. And uh, I did see something also. Uh, you know, our crime is so bad, like it is everywhere. But we're number one. We're yes, number one right back now. Back to number one. Yeah, number uh, one in uh, per capita murders. Yeah, we're so proud of that. Um, yeah. uh, but I saw uh, a news story about. It wasn't in Orleans Parish. It was somewhere like in Chalmette or um, Marrero. Mm -hmm. One of those The hinterlands, right? Yeah, I don't know. But there was a murder, like in broad daylight. Hmm. There was this murder, and there was witnesses to the murder. Um, but one of the witnesses, you know, you don't want your face to be seen on camera. You right. Know, they don't, you know, so... It was a female witness. You could tell it was a female witness. Um, they, instead of showing her face, they showed her midsection. Okay. And it was this, you know, one of those those kind of guts that come up under the t-shirt, you know? Uh-huh. Right. You know, one of those? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can picture it now. Yeah. And they just focused on that while she talked. And I couldn't. I couldn't listen to a word she said because I was so focused on that gut that was just protruding. <laughs> you know, she probably had some shorts or some tight pants, and this gut was just protruding out from under her shirt. Yeah. You know? And then they, they, they switched to like a shot of this, the crime scene, like in this parking lot. And then when they came back to hear some more uh, uh, testimony from her, 
it was basically the camera was on her crotch. <laughs> and that I can't figure it out. Yeah, man. and I was like, "Well, fuck, man, get back to the belly, man. I don't want to see this." Okay, <laughs> let's go from bad to yeah. worse. Yeah, so uh, that's what's something that kind of I saw, and uh, you know, and it kind of disturbed. You know, it it was very right. puzzling to me. It was very disturbing, and that's, of that's course, her testimony, even though she wasn't shown on camera, uh, she's dead now. So, okay, yeah, they were able to rec- yeah, identify they, her from the gut. Yeah, 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 yeah they yeah. identify her from the gut. Exactly. Sure. So uh, uh, yeah, that's what you get for uh, you know going on camera. I don't know why these people go on camera. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, be, no matter how uh, uh, dangerous the situation, people can't resist the the uh, the lore of celebrity. You know, they think this is my big chance. Well, yeah, yeah. My gut's gonna take me to Hollywood. Sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Gonna ride this one all the way to, to fame and fortune. Right, exactly. ride, ride so what's guy. been happening with you, man? Uh, I got my uh, my latest COVID booster. That's uh, oh. that's that's new news for me. So how many is uh, that? How many boosters? Have uh, you got? I think I've had about uh, uh, ten or twenty at this point. <laughs> oh, really? But uh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm eating them like candy, man. Uh, yeah, they don't don't uh, they don't phase me. It doesn't doesn't even affect my immune system. I mean, uh, I don't react to them anymore. It's like uh, now. Did taking, you? Were you a person who got a flu shot every year? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, are when you going to get, this... you know, every year they're going to say you're due for your COVID shot uh, and your flu shot. Are you going to get both? Yeah, yeah. You know, I won't get them at the, on the same day. But, uh, yeah, you know, whatever our staff physician recommends, man, you know, I always uh, go along with his advice. I, I trust, uh, trust our well, I think Well, I think I told you this uh, back in early August. I went for my annual with our staff physician. And uh, for two uh, uh, two years in a row, he uh, he said uh, we don't need to do the prostate thing. We don't need to do that. Yeah, I, th- I don't think he likes you anymore, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't he know. Goes, he's, he's, ah, we don't need to do that. How, how, he just wants to be friends now. Yeah. So know. it's like, all right, well, if I get you know uh, diagnosed, you know, with prostate cancer, I'm going to sue your ass because you didn't check you didn't check out my ass. You know right. that kind of thing, but. You know, so we'll see what happens. I'm sure I'm okay. You know, it's all about the blood work, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're big on the blood work nowadays. Yeah, that's what solves everything, the blood right. work, you know. Right. Um, it, it, uh, you know what I found funny this, uh, this week? Um, how, how long does it take for you to shave when you shave? How, you know, what would you say it takes? Uh, I would say probably five minutes. Okay, five minutes. All right, that, that's what I figured. About five minutes to shave, you know. And how long does it take for you to brush your teeth? Um, probably about uh, you know three minutes. Three minutes. Three or four minutes. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. So because I was told by uh, a dentist years ago that really it'll you should only brush your teeth for maybe ninety seconds. That's it, ninety hmm. seconds. Hmm. Okay. You know, because that you know other than that you're just uh, you're destroying stuff. Wearing them down. Yeah, you're wearing them down too much and stuff like that. So I'm at my club, you know, last week where the ring room is. Sure. And oh, you should see what they've done with the ring room. It looks fabulous. They've got they've got couches there and and love seats and oh, it's really nice. Very comfortable there. Um, but I'm taking my usual sauna and steam, and I take a shower. And I go to shave. I'm going to go shave. And I, you know, I 
prepping. I'm getting the water hot and stuff, and I'm shaking up the shaving cream. And uh, a guy next to me pulls up on a, the sink next to me, and he he uh, he uh, pulls out his little you know bag of stuff that he you know his deodorant and stuff like that. So I start putting the shaving cream on, and he's he I could see notice he puts toothpaste on his on his toothbrush. So I start shaving. He starts brushing. He, I'm done shaving, and he's still brushing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on with this guy, man? You know, why are you still brushing? What, what more? I mean, he, and, he's, and he still has to floss and gargle and stuff like that. He hasn't even done that yet, you know? So I just found that very crazy. I'm like, who takes five minutes to brush their teeth? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never heard that uh, ninety-second uh, rule of thumb, but uh, you know. Yeah, all you need is ninety seconds. I was told uh, years. Did you ago. tell him that? Did you pass that on to that guy? I, I, you know, I, I was going to, but he was busy brushing still. So I. I yeah, I figured you'd. I didn't want to interrupt him. Right yeah. now, he was uh, was he was he uh, was he nude when this was going on? Did he have a towel on? Did he have some shorts, or was he dressed? Or is that something important to you, Renee? I don't know. I'm just trying to get the picture because okay. I know some of these. I've never belonged to a club where where they have like that kind of uh, you know uh, well, shower room kind of deal. So, it's a okay. towel. It's mandatory that we wear towels at least. Thank God. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know before. Some uh, of those old guys, they get carried away, right? They walk around, they, they want to dry off their balls in front of everybody. I don't know. I hear stories. <laughs> sounds, well, sounds chilling. Well, it was, you know, for me, it's, it's usually all the, uh, the guys who play for the other team who are walking around trying to show off their, their huh. units. Okay. Like I, thought, that. I, thought that was, I thought that was an old man thing, too, like uh, uh, old, no. some of those old judges. Well, there's not too many old people. Uh, yeah, you know, that okay. I, I noticed, but uh, I just thought it was weird that uh, this guy took so much time to brush his teeth, and maybe okay. we could put it out to the nation. You know, yeah, people, yeah. Let us know what's your time for brushing your teeth, nation. Okay, time yourself if it's yeah. more than uh, ninety seconds. You know, two minutes tops. Take it easy. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna yeah. grind those. Uh, you know, because you know, I I I have had situation where I, I wore a groove in a tooth. Uh, you know, from from incorrect brushing years ago so i know it's definitely possible you know yeah so. they i was told years ago by this uh dentist a couple of dentists actually that uh uh you know 90 seconds tops is all you need as long as you know you do the right rotation and stuff sure and stuff. yeah you don't want to brush the same tooth for 90 seconds right. yeah, yeah no, you're no, not going to move yeah. it around right 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 anyway uh so yeah what else is okay, going well, on with you, man? Oh, not too much, man. I think uh, maybe we should get to our guest. Sure, though, he's been very uh, quiet. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, he and I, I, I speak up, man. Told, told him he could speak up, but uh, he's uh, he's obviously uh, enwrapped uh, with this uh, this uh, scintillating conversation. I'm in awe. Yeah, the okay. the banter <laughs> is like world class. Uh, okay, all right. Well, how long do you take to brush your teeth, Alex? <laughs> oh well, uh, I suppose it's about two minutes. So. Uh, Okay. Uh, someone told me, and you know, I guess we're not fact checking here, but someone told me no. about thirty seconds per side, like thirty per thirty seconds front upper, thirty seconds back upper, thirty seconds front lower, thirty seconds back lower. 
Right, right. So, uh, so that's about, about two, about two minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and then okay. and then you should like maybe brush your tongue for like five six seconds. Hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. I hear I hear different things. Some people say that's good. Some people say uh, it can mess up your uh, your oral biome. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah, you know, like the 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 uh, the good bacteria that live, uh, you know, in your body. Yeah, they help know. you stay okay. in a good mood. Oh, All okay. those gut bacteria. Yeah. yeah. So I hear. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Guess knows something about this. Well, uh, <laughs> l- l- let me introduce him. How about that, man? Yeah. Okay, uh, so a terrific guest. Uh, I, once I started thinking about all the reasons he should be on the show, I was shocked that he hadn't been on already because <laughs> the connections go on and on. Anyway, he's a terrific multi-instrumentalist, primarily keyboard player, also a guitar player, a singer, composer, uh, um, also a, a uh, anthropologist, college professor, uh, journalist. He's the music editor for the Memphis Flyer. Uh, uh, publication up there in, in Memphis. He's a leader of the of Alex Green and the Rolling Head Orchestra. He's done all kind of film scores. We're going to talk about all that. Also, a founding member of uh, the the band The Raining Sound. Uh, uh, One time member of Tav Falco's Panther Burns, as well as the Alex Chilton Band. Goes on and on. I could I could go on for a long time, but we'll get to all that. But without further ado, the great Mr. Alex Green. Welcome, Alex. Oh, thanks, Renee. Thanks. Thanks, Manny. Great to be here and hear how the murders are progressing in your your fair <laughs> city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're up there in Memphis and Yeah, I have no room Memphis, to talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, is is Memphis as dangerous as New Orleans or just a little bit? Just kind of uh, you know, has the potential. Now, uh Memphis is one of those cities that seems like it's it's right on the verge of, of something, you know. It's as as other places, uh, you know, get too expensive for for artists to live, or, or too dangerous, too crowded. You know, Austin's played out. You know, New, some people are thinking New Orleans is that way, and it seems like Memphis is still a little bit undiscovered. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag here, but uh, you know, we have a bunch of friends. Uh, you know, Will Sexton, for for instance, you know, instance uh, moved up there. He and Amy Levere, you know, both uh, uh, former guests of the show, have a, a lovely place there in Midtown. Uh, they got you got a great scene going up there. All these uh, you know fringe kind of activities, as well as a lot of soul stuff. What, what what's your estimation of the current state of Memphis? Yeah, I think. Uh, you're right. There's been a wave of uh, kind of fresh blood moving into the city uh, for whatever reason. There's uh, a lot of reasons to flee other places. <laughs> uh, but I think that was just enough to help bring this kind of critical mass, uh, not to credit the newcomers too much, but it just, you know, sometimes when you have a fire just about to go and you put one little twig in the right spot, it, that's when it, it flames up. And I think that's going on in the Memphis music scene now. Uh, uh, you know, you have uh, Dale Watson also moving here from Austin, buying the incredible Hernando's Hideaway. Right. Jerry Lee Lewis. It's Jerry Lee Lewis's birthday today. Oh, uh, my God. To, to All right. <laughs> He's, he's alive? He's Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's 87. It's 87th birthday, 87, 88, something like that. But, uh, but 
what uh, Hernando's hideaway was his uh, traditional uh, haunt. He would show up there or not. But uh, Now, uh, is he still married to his cousin? Oh, no, I don't think no, so. No, he's been through a few wives. I Since gather. Then, yeah, he's probably been good. through a few cousins, too. <laughs> Could be. Well, you know, if, you, if you're drawn just from Faraday, almost everybody's your cousin. And in, in, uh, if, you're, if you're a Lewis in, or, a, or a, a, a Swaggart in Faraday. <laughs> Um, well, Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, so I, I mentioned briefly, uh, that, uh, you know, you have the, the rolling head orchestra and, and, you know, part of, of the work that you've been doing the past bunch of years is, is, uh, creating these, uh, new original film scores for a series of silent films and doing these live performances. So you, you, I, I noticed that you have one coming up. That's uh, premiering on October 21st. Uh, you want to tell us about that project? We can start from there. Yeah, uh, this one, I've done a few of these, as you say, but this one m might be the most exciting yet, uh, partly because uh, it's just right out of the gate. It, it feels more kind of uh, <laughs> legit because I was commissioned by the Indie Memphis uh, board to create a new soundtrack and it's part of the indie memphis film festival which has gotten to be a pretty big deal uh, it's an annual festival here and um it, it gets some great premieres and it's just so well curated so uh this turns out to be the hundred year anniversary of a swedish silent uh, documentary kind of uh called hexen uh, which is Swedish for the witches or the witch. Now, this is a porno film? One of those Swedish films you always yeah. hear about, yeah. Now, well, right, uh, right. almost. I think it may have been considered that in 1922. <laughs> there's someone applauding. The, no, yeah. <laughs> I, there's, a, there's a mosquito in my room. I'm trying to, oh, okay. trying to get this mosquito. Let's have a hand you know, for since Swedish we film. Haven't had rain, we haven't had rain in a couple of weeks. All these mosquitoes are looking for moisture, and they're trying to get into the house hmm. and stuff. Okay. Now, Alex, I actually watched, uh, I, I saw that that film was available on HBO, uh, so I, I watched uh, a, a bunch of it. Uh, the other day it's a oh. very interesting film yeah it it's unlike any other uh you know uh in that it, it's kind of in the early era of film of course so a lot of the conventions of what a documentary should be like etc were not established so uh this is kind of semi-scholarly uh it's presented by the director who appears and explaining what he's setting out to do and that we're going to explain the role of witches in society through the ages. Uh, but it very quickly, you know, and he points to a few old illustrations, uh, et cetera. But then he very quickly switches to the reenactment section of the film where they cut to the middle ages. And here's your typical witch being strapped down on the rack, uh, interrogated right. by the clergy. And uh, uh, apparently the film was coming out of this, what they call the anti-clerical movement in Sweden at the time. So the 
high priests who are questioning the witches are, you know, very suspect and, you know, very creepy. <laughs> so anyway, the, it, this offers a lot of musical possibilities, I, I think. Uh, so when you say reenactors, he had actors just you know, re reacting some famous uh, history or something like that. Well, he doesn't really say where he derived the, you know, it's more of a kind of a composite view of your typical witch on a typical afternoon in a church dungeon, a typical church dungeon. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, he doesn't point to a specific text. But he has he has actors redoing the the certain things. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get. You know, that, no, it's just funny you mentioned that because just today, uh, Renee, uh, mm -hmm. uh, my agent, uh, Anne Massey. Okay. You know, she uh, texted or emailed me. Uh, they needed some reenactors for something they're shooting. Uh, down here in the south, and they need reenactors for the January sixth uh, <laughs> riots. <laughs> they need some reenactors for that, and I said, "Well, I, I don't think I fit that rule at all." You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of pushing and shoving in there. I don't think I don't think your back is going to handle no, that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, I could be like. I, I told her, I said, "Well, I could be uh, one of our uh, Congress people running for their lives. I could do uh -huh. that, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Getting shuffled to safety. Yeah, I could be one of those people. But so anyway, she's sending my photo. They might they might use me. Okay, well, you got a good look. The camera likes you, yeah. Maybe, so it's yeah, so, it does uh, like know. me, and also. I guess it's also in the works that they're also doing. They needed reenactors for nine eleven. Oh lord! Can hit it all, yeah. all, all uh, yeah. All I guess yeah, who's yeah, ever yeah. this production company is, they they got a lot of money to do this, so someone's giving okay, them money yeah. to do that. Right. Anyway, let's get back. Someone should tell them to check out the Civil War reenactments. You know the they're the uh, <laughs> Confederate reenactors and the January sixth ought to dovetail very neatly there you go yeah uh, there probably isn't a lot of overlap <laughs> yeah. in that alex um well alex well, to explain to us the the process when you get this uh this commission for instance they say we want you to produce a, a new uh score for this film how, how do you go about that yeah well um i try to start uh by well i watch the film and then i kind of walk away from it and i just kind of let the moods of the film kind of gestate in me, uh, just kind of simmer there, uh, without like going too precisely to one particular scene, uh, because I just like to evoke moods, uh, and then kind of use little mood songs like modular pieces and I can reuse them, do them slower or faster depending on the scene. But, uh, uh, like the last one I did, which was uh, a Greta Garbo film called Flesh and the Devil, I had uh, nine themes. And I just write them out like a one-page jazz chart, you know, a lead sheet with mm -hmm. chords and melody. And uh, then I work from there. And if I have classical players, I'll pick that lead sheet apart and work out uh, arrangements for the strings, woodwinds, what have you. Um, so uh, I, I find that kind of modular 
approach kind of helps keep a, a kind of uh, identity for the whole length of the film. Like you hear these repeated motifs mm-hmm. um, and yet you can introduce a lot of variety by giving them different treatments, that sort of thing. Okay. Now I was watching a, a, a live performance y'all did of uh, a trip to the moon. Yes. And, and I, I noticed what you're talking about where you have like a, a theme and then you, then you sort of have a transitional th- uh, piece of music that would go between themes and, and I'm watching you conduct is some of that, is all of that, uh, uh, timed out by measure or is, is some of that where on cue from you, where you're just kind of watching the film, you know, as you're what do, for the live performance. Yeah. Uh, what I do is I time when each piece or version of a piece should start, uh, right at the precise moment and when it should end and then when the next piece you know should be starting so i'm really the only one keeping track of the time code although i've printed out scores where it it shows the time code like you know this downbeat for this song is at 14.03 or whatever <clears throat> but uh, mostly it's me uh, keeping track so if a song starts a little slow <clears throat> and it's not going to finish in time, I've got to be thinking of, oh, shit, you know, when is the next viable ending? If we don't make it to the last uh-huh. measure, maybe, you know, six measures in, there's it kind of resolves to the tonic or something. <laughs> right. So you're doing all that in real time. Yeah, yeah. The it's uh, terrifying, actually. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. So you've done these soundtracks of silent films for this festival in Memphis. I'm about right? to do one for the festival. I, I've done others uh, elsewhere in Memphis. Yeah. Okay. So, but they're not live. Uh, some of them pre-recorded for the documentary. No, uh, it's always live. So the silent film is oh, going it's always on live. Uh, oh. behind the band. Okay. And we're just doing our damnedest to keep up. Okay. I get you. All right. And it's a very cool group that you have. Uh, you know, you, you, you nowadays, I don't know if you always did, but uh, you have a theremin player. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good for this, this, uh, this witches, uh, the Hassan uh, movie, you know, yeah. keep it spooky. Yeah. Uh, that's been a, a recent addition since about 2019. Uh, I, met a great theremin player from the Muscle Shoals, Alabama area. And um, huh. she uh, once was the concert master for the Shoals Symphony as a violinist. But uh, Okay, well, that explains how, how she plays so well. Exactly. In tune with she the, with the already had the ear training, which is what you need. And she had the discipline. And right. then a, an injury to her arm prevented her from staying with the violin so she pivoted to theremin because she didn't have to you know have any of the same body posture she didn't even have to touch the instrument so uh uh, and she was very disciplined about it and is one of the few people with a theremin and i know many people that have them now she's really the only one i know that can carry a melody you know with real exactitude it's it's really something Right. Yeah, no, she plays beautifully. Well, and some of the other the people... Theremin, you know, I thought that was a sex toy. <laughs> well, it can yeah. be. 
depending, <laughs> depends on what state <laughs> you're in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So as you said, Renee, I've got some amazing other players too. You have uh, Jim Spake, who was on the show a uh, long time, you know, a uh, uh, colleague of ours, played in, in all the Alex Chilton uh, solo records, as well as, uh, you know, all this other Memphis stuff. He's on almost every Memphis record made in the yeah, last 30 yeah. years. And uh, he was one of my first friends in Memphis, uh, kind of through the Alex Chilton and Ardent Studio connection, uh, and uh, has always kind of been a mentor and colleague of mine. So uh, this whole band, actually, except the theremin player, uh, we've been together now about 13 years, the Rolling Head Orchestra. And uh, it's really stuck to pretty much the same people, uh, although one latecomer was Tom Leonardo, an amazing drummer in Memphis with who can swing right. like crazy. And... Um, then we've got Mark Franklin on trumpet, who is really an outstanding arranger, composer in his own right. Um, and um, <clears throat> then we, we had a few bass players, but lately we've settled on Carl Kasperson. Um, we did have Tim Goodwin, who passed away a, a couple years ago, unfortunately, and and you have uh, uh, another Panther Burn, uh, Jim Duckworth uh, yeah, playing yeah. in the band, right? And uh, again, a pan former Panther Burn, former uh, Gun Club member. Yeah, uh, and he also is one of my uh, longest term friends here in Memphis. And in fact, we had a kind of a trio together uh, playing kind of. Uh, uh, you might say uh, primitive jazz uh, <clears throat> called uh, we we called ourselves ragged clown behind. <laughs> so a little Dylan reference there, but uh, we've always had this really fun, uh, hilarious, even musical relationship, and uh, so uh, it's it's great to have Duckworth in the mix too. And then occasionally we have uh, a pedal steel player, uh, John Whittemore, who's a dentist here. Uh, he uh, is also like Spake. Whittemore tends to be in every other band here in Memphis, but we often get him for ourselves too. Nice, nice. You have to ask him uh, weigh in on the uh, the toothbrushing question there. Yes. Um. <laughs> Now, now, Alex, you and I uh, never really sp uh, did a lot of playing together. Uh, you were you were coming to Memphis uh, just about the time I was kind of, I was kind of we kind of passed each other. Uh, uh, I was walking out the door. You were walking in. We <laughs> we did play on a the, the same record that uh, uh, Return of the Blue Panther. Um, yeah, that uh, uh, was the the last well a last studio record of that era that I, that I played on and, and uh, you were coming in and played some keyboard on that. What brought you to Memphis at that time? It's uh, pretty interesting. Cause uh, I was into music deeply when I was at NYU, which is where I went to school. And uh, although I was a cultural anthropology major, I was a computer music minor and, uh, and it was just at this point in time when sampling was becoming a thing. Um, but I felt even then, 
uh, a kind of aversion to just like casting my lot completely with computers and electronics uh, for music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did have a friend uh, who I went to high school with in Nebraska, right here in Memphis, Nebraska. He ended up coming to Memphis, Tennessee and working at Ardent. So uh, he was getting me free time. Uh, it turns out this is a time-honored tradition with Ardent. That's kind of how Big Star started. And Chris Bell right. had the key to go, you know, right. late at night. Right. John Ard- Fry would uh, would would give the keys to uh, trusted uh, trusted uh, you know young people. Yeah. So my friend Tom Lonnie, who you may have met back in the day Mm, uh he was engineering alex chilton records at ardent and uh you know rem records replacements etc and uh so i was like to hell with it i can't even afford a rehearsal space in new york (laughs) right (laughs) so and i was you know already deeply into uh wilson pickett lee dorsey you know, uh, and Mississippi crack. blues. <laughs> oh yeah. It all goes hand in hand, you know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, it was kind of a no brainer. And, and one of the first people I met was Alex Chilton. He was recording with Tom, the one with Guantan America on it. And, uh, it, during a break, you know, he was very tolerant of me just hanging around and, we instantly hit it off kind of joking. And then we wandered into the tracking room uh, and he said, Oh, you're a pianist, huh? What, hey, do you know how to do this? <laughs> so actually I had pivoted to guitar after studying piano all through high school in my college years, I was playing guitar. And with that one, fest lick you know uh i was like it was like a clarion call to return to the piano and i was like i you know i still had some chops uh, just muscle memory and so i picked picked it up right away and that just kind of sealed our friendship and it sealed my you know continued uh, pursuit of the piano suddenly uh, you know after playing rachmaninoff and stuff chopin in high school Suddenly, I was playing stuff that could really swing, and uh, it was just a real eye eye opener. Nice, nice, man. Well, Manny, I'm looking at the uh, the clock and my uh, my drink. And what do you think? Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's a good time to take our break. Um, listen, Alex, uh, we usually do this. I don't know if you've listened to any of these shows. Oh yeah, because uh, I haven't. Um, but, um, we always take a break. We refresh our drink and we take a bathroom break and, and, uh, well, and the nation knows what to do. So, uh, we'll be, we'll be right back.
And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Alex Green. Now, Alex, uh, I know you are a fan of the show, so you must be familiar with our, our, our trials and travails on the, uh, on the, uh, the sponsorship uh, subject. And know that we're back to our original sponsor, which is Loose Change. Manny, you want to tell him about Loose Change? Alex, yes. loose change is everywhere. And you've got it. People have it. We love it. We need we it. Need we it. want it. Give it yes. to us now. <laughs> and uh, to facilitate that, we've made it easier. You don't actually have to uh, bring it in bags or uh, you don't have to go through all that uh, time consuming. Remember, you have to roll, put them in rolls, you know, like get all the quarters separated. That's all out of the window now. It's uh, We have the, the PayPal link and the Venmo link in the show notes and the, uh, the Facebook page. Uh, you can, uh, uh, contribute directly to the show. If you're listening now, you're obviously a fan or, uh, not very smart because uh, if you don't like this, just turn it off. But, uh, if you're enjoying this, please, uh, get some skin in the game, support the podcast, uh, help keep us on the road. Keep us, uh, bring uh, terrific guests like Mr. Alex Green to, uh, to the troubled nation. Uh, besides those, uh, the, those links for uh, Venmo and PayPal, we also have the link for the uh, Trouble Men podcast T-shirts. Uh, you know, gift-giving season is right around the corner, and uh, don't wait till the last minute because there's a little bit of a, of a, uh, a lag time <laughs> on the delivery of these shirts. So, uh, so, uh, so, so get in there. Get in the way ahead of time. Uh, also, follow us on social media. We have the, as I say, Facebook page. Follow us on that. Uh, Instagram. And uh, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play or Spotify. You know, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. You can say, uh, fuck Manny and Renee, five stars. We like that one. Um, Has anyone ever said that? Yes. yes oh, okay. <laughs> I think. I mean, uh, you know, after hearing me suggest <laughs> that 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 would be a good review, several people have, have given, done that. Have given that review. Yes. Like your stalker. <laughs> well, the stalker, man. It's funny you should bring her up. She was been super active the last couple of days. She sent uh, eighty emails just yesterday. <laughs> just. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and and oh many of God. them are formulaic. They're the same thing over and over and over again. And sometimes she'll send those like three in a minute. You know, they'll have three that all have the same timestamp on them, and she'll send, you know, twenty of those. Usually in sets of twenty, it seems to be a thing. Um, again, now she's still obsessed with Michael Strahan and me, and and people telling her that she needs to say that she doesn't know me or Michael Strahan. Um, uh, and then she, she, again, she's got those little, uh, those little audio message, uh, voicemail, uh, attachments that I've discovered she puts in some of them. It's a little, uh, Easter egg for me and you get to hear her, her chilling voice, uh, <laughs> on the other end of the line, which, you know, the reading the text of these, it's clear that the girl is disturbed, but then when you hear her voice, she's really disturbed, you know, it's, uh, I don't know when I heard when I heard back on the podcast that I, I used one of those messages not too long ago. I actually listened to it in the 
And I thought, uh, I don't know how much the nation wants to hear that. That's uh, it's it's uh, it's chilling. So anyway, she's still out there, uh, still. Uh, and she's someone who grew up in your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, grew up uh, right down the street from me. And is she still in that neighborhood? I don't know where she is. I don't oh. think she is. But she seems to have a job because part of these emails, she says that a lot of people, uh, I, I think she may be working in the quarter, and she says that uh, police officers come up to her and, and tell her she has to send these emails, uh, you know, with these, these affirmations, uh, bridal parties. Sometimes she says, you know, like in the last one, they had seven br different bridal parties came up to her and told her that she needed to send these emails. Uh, tourists scream it at her on the street. Uh, neighbors screaming at her all night long. There's a guy in her attic who screams it down to her. Um, it's it's crazy. Gotta get her on the show, man. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Why don't you just give me her digits and I'll reach out? Uh, uh, well, I'll self. Let me let me think that over. Yeah. Um, Anyway, well, uh, uh, we'll we'll, we'll uh, address this. I'm sure we're not done with our, with the stalker file, so uh, we'll get back to that at a, a future show. But uh, Renee, uh, you can always save those recordings on your message machine and incorporate them into some postmodern sound collage. Okay, uh, well, Alex, well, that might be a good uh, project that you and I could collaborate on, Alex. We could, uh, oh yeah, do a little Just bit of uh, you know, like. Uh, tag team what do you say like you send them through the through the mail you know don't you call that but uh yeah yeah it uh, could be <laughs> yeah. fun the could, stalker yeah. chronicles yeah yeah God. yeah okay well well so let's let's get back to you alex so we're, we're talking about you falling into the the bosom of the panther burns yeah it was interesting after studying computer music uh you know i was right off the deep end into uh, you know, art damage. Now, computer uh, music. Trash ability. Computer music. Right. What is that? Like craft work or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, around '88 uh, when I moved to Memphis, and right before that, it was all about something called a Fairlight computer musical instruments. Oh yeah, which was the first to do samples. Herbie Hancock used it, and uh, like Rocket things like that. Right. I remember when Arden got that Fairlight, I think that thing cost like $150,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they loved me at Arden because I knew how to run one. Oh, okay. So well, I, yeah, I, Jim Dickinson was big on the Fairlight. I did a whole, uh, uh, my, my first green on red record, they had done everything except vocals and guitar and keyboards through the Fairlight. And then they brought me up to do a, uh, a live session with, you know, with the play and bass and i uh somehow won them over and i wound up replacing all the fairlight bass with my own bass which uh <laughs> thank god made it swing a lot more yeah 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 uh, for yeah. sure <laughs> but uh but yeah man uh, there's a lot of those uh those uh zz top records are uh billy gibbons and a fairlight you know yeah well it's funny because moving to memphis <clears throat> ironically that even though there was a fairlight here at arden it kind of unfair lighted me and uh you know i kept pursuing guitar uh chilton got me into real piano again and uh you know and then i fell in with the panther burns and right and you actually wind up wind up marrying uh laurie godwin uh aka lorette velvet yeah who uh that's uh you're going in deep man <laughs> going, going <laughs> yeah in that, deep. i mean to me uh in a way that was like 
marrying uh, Gloria Swanson, you know, Lorette Velvet was such an icon on the scene, you know, and she yeah. knew how to be so glamorous. So, uh, yeah, th- there was always a, a, a kind of romantic thing there in my mind anyway. And then, uh, you know, we came to realize it in the 20 year marriage with some amazing kids who are now in college. And, um, yeah, that's so cool, man. And you guys had, uh, had a band together, the, the Kropotkins. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Kropotkins, uh, okay. there's no L in it, oh, but okay. yeah, right. yeah. Uh, there was named after some, uh, anarchist, uh, philosopher, uh, okay. and, uh, it was a, really interesting group of cats mostly based in new york but who loved the Other turner kind of fife mm-hmm. and drum sound right. and uh lorette joined them long before i did because of her great uh kind of unaffected singing voice mm-hmm. and so they would do these kind of blues and kind of art blues jazz blues with the uh you know drum core instead of a trap set and uh it was it was always very interesting it was organized by this wild guy uh dave soldier in new york who's also a neuroscientist and avant-garde composer and uh, doing all kinds of things still uh so yeah uh lorette and i uh, played with them and are the drummer my co-drummer because i often took the big bass drum my co-drummer for a, a stretch of that with the Kropotkins was none other than Mo Tucker. Oh, and, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a Kropotkins <laughs> the album featuring her uh, quite prominently in some of her songwriting. And it was, you know, one of those treasured moments playing gigs in New York with Mo Tucker. So My you got to hang around with her? Song? Yeah, yeah. After shows, we would go to late night diners and talk about this and that. Um, and, uh, it was great. You know, it, that was around, uh, 2000 or so 2001. Uh-huh. Uh, very cool. So, yeah. And we also toured with the Lorette Velvet band. She had her own band and that's, you know, before we were even dating, we were good friends from doing these tours of Europe together. So we were kind of, you know, that bond you have with someone you've toured with who's right. smelled your stinky feet and everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. unbreakable. <laughs> Even right, after right. a divorce, you know, she's, she's still one of my favorite uh, ex-band mates. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, that's that's good to hear, man. Yeah, I, I love Lorette. We had uh, we had some crazy times on the road with the Pantherbirds. <laughs> oh yes, in her formative years, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, crazy man! <laughs> uh, I would I would feel sorry for Lorette because uh, we went on one tour where Tav brought her out and he's like, "Lorette's gonna drive and play snare drum," and I was like, "Man, I, I don't know. We don't really have room, you know." And he goes, "No, she's gonna drive and play snare drum." I was like, "Okay, if she's gonna drive, she's gonna fucking drive." And that poor girl drove every every mile of that trip, man. And uh, I don't know, it was tough. It was tough <laughs> Did her, you man. sleep with her today? 
No, 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 no. So you're, you're, you bring us up to 2000, 2001. That's about the time that uh, I, I mentioned that you're a, fa- a founding member of the, the Raining Sound. That's a band that uh, it's had a, it's a great history. I think you guys might have just played a farewell gig a few months ago at the, at the, uh, the Overland Shell. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, Tell us yeah, about that band. Yeah, it, it, it was a great uh, coming together of uh, influences in my life. Uh, for one thing, you know, as after Lorette and I got married, we settled in here in Memphis, and here was this guy, Greg Cartwright, of the Oblivions and Compulsive Gamblers, and uh, we just naturally had similar tastes in music, namely old singles. We were both big fans of the Tams, and I remember being impressed that he really loved the Oogum Boogum song, which, you know, Alex Chilton <laughs> sure. had turned me on two years ago, but I didn't know anyone else really who was hip to that. So uh, and here was Greg Cartwright who knew, you know, we, we jammed on it many times. So it was kind of out of that love of old records. Uh, we were playing jamming together, and then he – he was a little dissatisfied with the other bands he'd been involved in. And uh, next thing I knew, he said, oh, well, I, we're going to call ourselves Raining Sound, guys. And I've got these gigs booked. And, and you know, he just had these networks. He was tapped into them through the Oblivions and, and the Compulsive Gamblers. And so, you know, very quickly we were on the road north uh, and, and we were recording an album uh, uh, we here in Memphis at the great Easley McCain studio, and um, you know it Doug came Easley, out on sure, yeah, yeah. S- yeah, it came out on Sympathy for the record industry, and uh, yeah, that we carried on with that about uh, four good years, and did uh, I was on the first four studio albums. Okay, and you play a lot of, uh, I hear a lot of Farfisa on that. Uh, it's kind of a, a garage pop uh, kind of yeah. operation. Actually, not Farfisa, which would have been the go-to thing for like the garage kind of stuff that was up and coming then. But uh, I still had this, uh, since the early 90s, uh, I was obsessed with Booker T and the MGs, and I was figuring out the exact voicings and, you know, learning the organ basically with, with other bands before raining sound. So when raining sound Mm -hmm. came together, I kind of pretended like I was Booker T moonlighting with a a garage band, you know, Tommy Burke and the counts or one of these, you Uh know, old Memphis bands. And uh, that was kind of the sound we, it was not a Farfisa, but a, a Hammond at the Easley studio. Okay, so you're using B3 on that. All I right, think it cool. might have been an M1, like they had at the old Stax uh, studio. Yeah. Right. I got an M1 sitting in my living room, six feet away. Oh, from yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Booker T himself has said he preferred that. That's the kind of organ you hear on Green Onions because it had a kind of smaller, uh, uh, what he called a churchier sound. Like, I guess he meant like a small neighborhood church. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I got this one out of a church on, on, uh, on, uh, St. Charles Avenue. Yep. 
So that was the sound I went for with raining sound. And then I'd also play guitar. So I was kind of a utility player, you know, singing harmonies and stuff. And yeah, it just clicked. We all, it, it was a classic case of the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. So the four of us had this chemistry that just, you can hear it on the records to right. this day. And uh, so, you know, cut to 20 years later and it was a, Greg had gone through several versions of Raining Sound when he moved to North Carolina. Uh, we all stayed here in Memphis, the other band members. And um, so it was quite a godsend when Greg started coming back during the pandemic. And uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, he just had this explosion of songwriting and he wrote a new album and we did it with the original lineup as kind of the swan song of the band. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So we went out on an up note for sure. It was a very satisfying album called a little more time with raining sound. Very cool. And that, that, uh, that, that gig I saw on, I guess, YouTube or something, uh, from the Overland Park band shell is terrific, man. Just, uh, you guys sound so smoking. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We were pretty tight by then. And we were also pumped up cause it was a crowd of about 3000 people. So, uh, you know, cause we nice. had announced it would be our last show and right. And that's such a classic venue. Everybody played there. Louis Armstrong, Elvis, uh, you know, yeah. The iguanas. yeah exactly yeah it's this through line to memphis music history and it's amazing well well uh something we we spoke about uh that that's currently going on is uh you know our our old and you and i talked about how being in the panther burns uh, if you're ever in the Panther Burns, it's like being in the Marines. You know, you, you're you're always a Panther Burn, and <laughs> and you could be reactivated at at any time. And in fact, uh, you know, the Panther Burns, is, uh, uh, Tav Falco and the Unapproachable Panther Burns are out on a big tour right now. They're playing in New Orleans tomorrow. I'm going to see them. They've been out yes. for two months, and they probably had like six days off in two months. This is uh, it's all one nighters. This is a schedule that would that would kill a twenty five year old. And Tav is in his seventies out there, uh, and as you said, gliding through it, man. Exactly. Yeah. He. Uh, you know. I think it's. I don't know if it's the dance lessons or, you know, he went to charm school early in life. There's something <laughs> about his posture just carries him over it like uh, in, in golden slippers. It's amazing. <laughs> so he's got a terrific band, crack uh, Italian band out there. Those guys sound fantastic. And you actually said you played the gig with him in Memphis, huh? Yeah, yeah. One night I looked up in the sky. I saw the burning panther head. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> yeah, that beacon, that, that's how I knew. Signal on the clouds, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went on the prowl and I sniffed them out and jumped up on stage and yeah it was it was wonderful playing uh brazil yes <laughs> uh always one of my favorites uh sure sure 
and drop your mask it's uh, it's very timely uh you know i just I, we had uh, we're in the, we're in the the middle of the high holidays here uh, uh we had uh rosh hashanah services the other day it's the first time we've been uh ha- had uh high holiday services inside with no masks had the guy blowing the shofar uh you know yeah. inside it's uh feels like old times again yes drop your mask indeed <laughs> yes yes uh so yeah that was great uh playing with tav and and tav's tav's uh guitar player of a bunch of years uh now and music director uh, uh mario monterosa uh he actually relocated to, to memphis right yeah, yeah, he's had the love affair with Memphis music all his life, really. And then uh, meeting Tav in Rome and joining his band was one dream come true. And then Tav, in turn, led him to another dream, which was making him realize it was he could just move to Memphis and play music. And he did it. And he, you know, he he's an ace guitarist. He, and he really knows yep. his rock and roll, rockabilly. Uh, styling surf yeah yes. all that shit man and now so he's fallen into uh part of what i was talking about uh the this this uh you know new rebirth in a sense of memphis like you have uh uh delta sonic studios up there uh bruce watson uh, uh you know from uh uh from fat possum fat possum records and and big legal mess and uh and now uh his new gospel label uh, Bible and Tire Records, and I know Mario's involved in a lot of that stuff. Uh, Will Sexton involved in it, and and uh, I know you show up on a bunch of those records. That's so cool, man! It makes me want to move up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Bruce alone. I mean, there are so many studios that are seem to be cranking up and being super active, but and just Bruce alone is doing he i don't know if he sleeps or not but uh (laughs) since he got this idea for this uh bible entire recording company all focused on gospel but of the gospel of 50 years ago you know what Mm -hmm. they were cranking out on these tiny indie labels in the 70s uh, basically before MIDI and drum machines and synthesizers came into gospel. And it's, it's so much closer to the kind of groovy R and B that I love anyway. Um, it, it's just the, the perfect way to express that love of that kind of music. Um, and, uh, he's bringing old artists like, uh, Elizabeth King into yeah, the man. studio now and you know she's killing it yeah those records sound great man yeah and so yeah uh bruce bruce's work at delta sonic is stellar uh sam phillips just got a new mixing board that had been at uh the stacks studio oh. uh, now it's moved into sam phillips and uh and there's another new studio that has an old uh, console from Ardent. Uh, it's now it's the producer Matt Ross Spang's studio in the giant crosstown building. Uh, it's Memphis Magnetic, which is built to in the spirit of an old studio, but it's all newly, freshly constructed. It's just pop, really popping here. 
It's amazing. Yeah, man. You and you have all these people, like uh, you know, a guy we had on the on the show, a uh, 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 filmmaker, Mike McCarthy, with uh, what is that? Gorilla Films. Uh, yeah, um, Gorilla Monster. Yeah, I, Gorilla Monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you 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 show up on 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 some of those projects of his and and in fact that leads me to uh, we just had uh, the Goner Fest nineteen the nineteenth Goner Fest uh, run by uh, you know Eric Friedel and I guess Jack Oblivion you covered that uh, as a journalist for uh, for uh, Memphis Flyer yeah and I played at it <laughs> sure <laughs> at sure, the sure common uh, conundrum I'm stuck with where. I'm embedded in the music scene and I'm writing about it. So if a band I'm in is newsworthy, I have to farm it out to, you know, a friend to write it, uh, which is what happened for uh, Saturday at Gonerfest on the 24th. Uh, the Compulsive Gamblers, a version of them played, which was Greg Cartwright and uh, his old partner, Jack Oblivion. And uh, some others of us uh, from Detroit and Memphis kind of uh, bringing that group that which really hasn't played since the 90s, kind of uh, a revival of that group, uh, because their records have really stood the test of time and they're still, you know, very respected. And they really the compulsive gamblers really set the tone more than the oblivions the gamblers set the tone for both Greg and Jack's future projects in this century, like uh raining sound or uh Jack oblivion and the sheiks or what have you. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, the, the goner fest was amazing. <laughs> so, you know, as an anthropologist uh, and uh, you must love the, I, I refer to these people as like Southern fried fruitcakes, you know, which, <laughs> which like, uh, in some uh, circumstances, people grow up in these, you know, uh, southern areas where they're they they're pushing against the Bible Belt tide, and they figure this is not a place for me. I have to go to New York or San Francisco or L.A. or something. But then there's other people that stay where they are, or sometimes move to these places that are hotbeds of other. Uh, southern fried fruit cakes like you know goner fest is a is a real uh haven for that you know i mean like like the the reverend fred lanes of the world you know that's uh it's it's still so very this much is a gay there. festival no no <laughs> did i say that not not that kind of fruit cake when you say fruit cake yeah I, yeah no no not no just just uh freaks you know people that are that that don't quite fit well, you should say freak cake then not fruit cake <laughs> well i don't think a freak cake is a thing a fruit cake is a thing but anyway uh yes the the the, the southern fried fringe people yeah. yes that's uh, and this year uh it really emphasized that as you said with the, the reverend fred lane who is a real nutcase in a in the good sense? I, I mean that in the, as the highest compliment. And and former guest of our show. Oh, excellent! Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and I I got his records even before I moved to Memphis, and uh, that oh, was okay. a, a thing that brought me and Jim Spake together. We were both fans, and uh, Alex Chilton and I. Sure. Uh, so it, it was like this uh, badge of honor. And it was, I'm just realizing now it was our, 
we didn't know it at the time, but it was our tapping into this kind of surrealist, nutso, gonzo scene bubbling up around Tuscaloosa, Alabama, of all mm-hmm. places. And like you say, you know, these the people who do stay in the South but don't, you know, conform to all the stereotypes but are always struggling against that, it, it produces this very uh, original uh perspective in music and art and all kinds of things uh, i guess you might say very individualist or just kind of uh in their own little universe um with these yeah, southern artists and it's it's so rare in these days of uh you know mass media everything's homogenized everybody's listening to the same source materials and kind of drawing the same conclusions to in contrast to that to have people who are staying in in you know somewhat uh insular uh you know idiosyncratic cultural milieus yeah yeah exactly so bravo to the panther burns uh uh you know former and present and future (laughs) and and, and that's what an expression of that scene too like tab falco was starting to do his thing right about the time Fred Lane was, you know, uh, 500 miles to the Southeast or whatever. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm loving being in Memphis now. I remember moving here in 88 and really questioning myself, but uh, (laughs) as I dug in and, you know, got to know kind of, the subterraneans, you might say, I, right. you know, it became very dear to my heart. So uh, I'm pretty much here for the duration, I think. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, you've been great <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, this, this has been so fun to have you, Alex. So, so uh, again, just to remind the, uh, the Troubled Nation, uh, your, your new film score is premiering. Uh, tell us about that again. Yes, It'll premiere October 21st at Playhouse on the Square here in Memphis. It's part of the Indie Memphis Film Festival, but you can get you know tickets to just one show if you want. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to feature my jazz band, the Rolling Head Orchestra, with uh, Kate Taylor from Alabama on theremin. Nice, nice. Well, uh, man, I can't wait to get back up there. In fact, uh, I'm actually playing a gig in uh, at the, uh, the Whitewater Tavern in Little Rock with uh, Will Sexton and Amy LeVere uh, on uh, October 14th. And we're supposed to come to Memphis the next day, but it's not going to happen this time around. But we'll be up there pretty soon. Come on back, Renee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely will, man. <laughs> well, you and I'll have to work on that, uh, that stalker file project. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, man. I think that's got legs. very good alex well uh manny it seems like a show huh yeah i just wanted to say one thing i Mm -hmm. I don't want to end the show but i had to do a shout out to uh you know our former guest and good friend uh wadzilla ian wadley ian wadley shout out to Ian. yeah he passed away over the weekend Oh man! Yeah, he uh, he 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 did the way of Mama Cass. He uh, choked on his own vomit in bed. Huh? And uh, Ian uh, will be missed. Oh yeah, Jay. Yeah. So uh, and it's sad because he was getting ready to uh, to uh, reunite with his ex-wife. 
after 20 years of separation, they were going to reunite for the children, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he'll be missed, uh, uh, Ian Wadley, Wadzilla. And uh, he choked on some kind of chicken bone in his sleep, you know, that kind of thing. You know, Mm. he was a fat, disgusting guy to begin with. But But a uh, a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. And he always talked about going on diets, but he never did. Um, So, um, you know, he's got a great record collection, so I'm hoping maybe I can inherit that. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a shout-out to Wadzilla. Shout-out to Wadzilla, man. I wasn't expecting that, Manny. Yeah, well, it's sad news. That's why I've been quiet. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, And, uh, you know, he he leaves... uh, just a kid he had in Seattle and some couple of grandchildren. And stuff oh man! Like well, uh, well, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, I I hope we can uh, do this uh, next week, man. I hope both you and I are here to do it. But uh, at this rate, uh, I guess it's touch and go. Yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, Who you know, knows? It's, uh, in take a wait and see attitude. Yeah. Right, right, right. Watch your okay, health, well, guys. Watch your health. Yeah. All, all yeah. of the troubled nation, you know, needs yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Don't don't brush too long, people. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, uh, as, as we always say uh, on the Trouble Man podcast, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. I've just read the news. The world's in concrete shoes. The useless ones are bruised. I'm dying. Not you.